Hi, everyone. This is Rebecca Stone, Senior Research Analyst at SCIF Research. Today, we're going to be talking about one of our latest research reports, Venture Investment Trends and Startup Opportunities in Travel 2018. I'm joined with Seth Borko, Senior Research Analyst here at Skift Research, to give us some insights into, into what has been a record year for venture capital investments. So Seth, let's just start with big picture. Why does Skift even bother tracking trends in venture capital investment? Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. And we're very excited about this report because the travel startup landscape is definitely one of the most dynamic out there. I mean, every year you're seeing 200 plus new early stage companies, they're raising money. And what's so exciting about these companies is they really represent a fresh set of eyes, so to speak, for the travel industry. You've got these nimble, innovative companies. Um, you also do have a lot of giant startups like Airbnb. And yes, Airbnb is still technically a startup, even though it's the fourth most richly valued unicorn out there. So you know, honestly, you could even include Uber amongst the ranks of travel startups, certainly there's a transportation angle there. So it's a very important market, market for us to be paying attention to. And I, I, if I can just give you the little sales pitch, I do think, you know, it's important for everyone. If you work at a large incumbent, you want to be tracking these trends. Make sure you don't get caught off balance and see where these new entrants, where they see cracks in your armor. If you're a startup founder, you want to be paying attention to what your competition is doing and where the money is going. And for the venture capital investor, you want to be following the trends. You want to be looking for that next Airbnb, that, the next Uber. So it's an important market for us and one we want to, you know, follow closely. That makes a lot of sense. So then I guess kicking things off, what did the market look like this year? Give us sort of your overview of, of, of the trends. Well, it was definitely a very uh, healthy year for venture capital. And, and like you alluded to, it was actually a record year of capital raised for startups overall. And, and travel was certainly no uh, exception or the most capital raised since the tech bubble, I should clarify. And we actually spoke with CB Insights, who are uh, you know some analysts who follow the venture capital market very closely. And, and they tell us, you know, there was $5.3 billion invested in travel startups across 348 companies. Uh, that's, a, that's a record amount ever invested in the travel space. Uh, it's more than double the amount raised last year, and it nudges out the prior record uh, in 2015 when, when the travel industry raised over $5 billion. And I'll note that that includes Airbnb, but it excludes uh, Uber from those numbers. Um, so, you know, interesting trends that were seen in the market Certainly, a lot of that notional came from late stage deals. You know, Airbnb raised almost 450 million in March. Uh, it was the second round of its Series F uh, raise, and that valued the company at 31 billion. So, big deal there. We also saw some other big, uh, large late stage deals. Expedia invested 350 million dollars in Indonesian online travel agency uh, Traveloka. Sea Trip, that that Chinese online travel agency, they invested 300 million in Tujia.com, and that's you know, the Chinese Airbnb, you know, I could, I could go on, but but hopefully the point is clear. You're seeing a lot of larger late stage deals and that's showing up in our numbers. So what Skiff does is we try and track the kind of deal flow by stage, early stage, mid stage, late stage, you know, get a sense of where the market's at. And we are seeing this year just about 60% of deals this year by market value were early stage. And you know, in, in prior years, it's looked closer to 70%. So it's somewhat a downward trend. And part of this is, of course, what we were just discussing. So you're seeing the rise of large late stage deals. But this phenomenon is also being driven by what Skift has been calling uh, an early stage funding gap for startups. So what do you mean by that exactly? Yeah. So 
Uh, well, we actually did. We kind of wanted to investigate that. So we paired up with Amadeus, and we did this uh, state of travel startup survey. And we spoke to 177 startup leaders from around the world. And what we found was that 64% of the founders and employees we spoke with had raised no funding or were self-funded. So a lot of these companies kind of work into to go at their own. And so at Skip Research, you know, what's the reason for that? We think it's kind of, it's a two-sided problem. So one, you've got the entrepreneur side of the story. So on the entrepreneur front, yeah, there's definitely no such thing as raising too much money for sure. But many uh, entrepreneurs and founders are recognizing that running a lean business that is independent, that's even, you know, God forbid profitable, gives you a lot of independence and flexibility, which can be a very powerful thing for a business. Um, and then the other thing, though, is we got to look at the investor side of things, so the supply side of things. And you're also seeing funding rounds there getting larger. So venture capitalists that we spoke to for this report tell us that it's increasingly common to see one to three million dollar seed rounds. And so some of the smaller companies might just fly under that radar. And, and honestly, I suspect that's almost it's kind of ironic, but I suspect it's because there's more money poured into the space than ever before. So you're seeing these investment firms, they kind of have a fixed amount of due diligence resources that can maybe only do like, call it like a dozen deals a year. And if you have more money to invest, what you don't do is you, have, you don't do more deals, you do the same number of deals, but now you're looking for a different target set of companies where you can make a larger investment. Oh, I see. That makes a lot of sense. Can you give us some perspective on who are these investors? What types of people are you seeing being active in the space? Sure. Um, well, look, travel definitely has some very prominent industry players. You see on the early stage side, some companies like 500 Startups, later stage Excel Partners. But what stood out to us when we kind of did this research and even talking with other analysts, venture capitalists, and uh, CB Insights for sure, uh, is the prominence of corporate venture capital in this space. So, you know, unlike a traditional venture capitalist, which they're basically just looking for financial returns, a corporate financial, uh, corporate venture capitalist, they'll often have, you know, call it a double or a triple bottom line where rather than a strict focus on financials, they might also be looking to invest to gain a foothold in an emerging technology, you know, keep tabs on an emerging competitor. Or a lot of companies we spoke to said they're trying to import a startup culture or talent. So, and look, I don't mean to say at all that financial returns aren't important. A lot of the really big corporate venture capitalists, they're real venture capitalists. They've got boards. They need to justify returns on their investment. But I'm just trying to emphasize it's not a singular factor. And so when we looked in a travel in travel, uh, corporates invested about $1.9 billion in venture capital across 88 deals. So just to put that in context, that's a third of the market by dollar value. Um, and again, for further context, a more typical share of corporate venture capital in other industries is closer to a quarter of deals. So certainly you're seeing an outsized impact of corporate venture capital and travel. Uh, not only that, but corporate VCs within the travel space they tend to do deals that are 50% larger on average than a corporate venture capital deal done elsewhere. Why do you think corporate venture capital has become so prominent and you're seeing a lot more of these CVCs getting involved in the space? Yeah, that's a really good question and one that we've been thinking a lot. So I think for sure, if you're a, a corporate or an incumbent player in travel, you know, this industry has seen what can happen firsthand when you ignore disruption. I mean, a lot of executives saw it firsthand almost 20 years ago with the rise of the initial online travel agencies. And now again, you're seeing this new way, like think with these massive unicorns, Airbnb, Uber, where they reside. They're sitting in the travel space. So it's really been ground zero for a lot of these trends. So I think you're seeing a reaction there. 
Um, you know, this kind of shows up. We actually did a, a separate poll, but Skith spoke to a whole bunch of different travel executives and leaders. Uh, and again, these are incumbents, not startups. And we asked how they felt about their organization's ability to compete in a digital world. And a full third said that they were behind on their digital strategy. You know, another 45% or so thought they kept pace. And so what you had was about, you know, 20%, about a fifth, which was the smallest group of respondents, they felt confident they were out in front of the, of the digital adoption curve. So, you know, that's not a great showing, to be honest. And, you know, we, we asked the same audience, how do you feel about recruiting, you know, digital talent? And 50% of them, a full half, said they either agree or strongly agree that they struggle to find technical talent. And to make that even more interesting, when we talk to them about talent just broadly, they say that travel has an edge in recruiting talent. It's an interesting field to be in. People want to work in it. So for non-technical positions, travel's got an edge. But for technical positions, a lot of these companies are, are, are worried. So I do think, you know, it kind of betrays some anxiety at these companies. That, that's, and that's what's really driving a lot of corporate interest in building bridges with startups. Um, and so, again, this doesn't just show up in the, the entry point, the investment data. But you can also see this playing out in the exits. So... You know, there were about 20 major startup exits this year, uh, and 19 of those deals were mergers or acquisitions. There's only a single travel IPO. And so, you know, look, you're never going to get uh, an even 50-50 split of IPOs and M&A, but it's still a pretty dramatic bias towards acquisition. And I definitely think part of that bias towards acquisition is because corporates have such a large role here. And, you know, actually, something we were talking about, like Rebecca, on our, on our mega trends, you know, one of the mega trends we worked on was travel mergers and acquisitions become more focused on strategic innovation. And so I think that makes sense. If you are seeing disruption, how do you respond as a corporate, as an incumbent? You know, certainly you do, you do mergers. One way to be to scale, you know, network effects and scale, but you also want to go and buy that new talent, that new tech and, and, you know, build that into your existing distribution. So definitely expect these kind of trends to continue. That makes a lot of sense, and it seems to be there. Uh, there's a lot of excitement in travel in general for 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 venture capital. I guess where do you, the the typical unicorns, as you hear, where do they fit into this whole landscape? Yeah, and I've been highlighting these guys a little bit, Rebecca. It's definitely been an interesting year for them. I mean, you know, again, and here I'm thinking uh, thinking Uber, I'm thinking Airbnb. Uh, so on the one hand, look, they both continue to raise capital. They're expanding their business lines. Uh, but on the other hand, they, they really have faced a slew of legal and organizational challenges this year. And, you know, not to pick on Uber too much, but their issues have definitely been well publicized. And the company spent much of 2017 dealing with its own internal operational and public setbacks, um, brought in a new CEO. Uh, it's a new CEO from the travel industry, actually, Dara. Uh, Airbnb, you know, not as a public a fight, but definitely facing some legal challenges as well. You had a prominent case brought by Aimco, a landlord, over whether landlords or whether Airbnb needs to play a bigger role in regulating, you know, landlords who want to ban Airbnb on their properties. And, you know, one of those cases just got dismissed, but there's another one pending. So there's still some legal challenges there. And so net net, it did feel like there was a little more room for competitors this year. Some of those big startups were a little preoccupied, but, you know, time will tell what 2018 brings. You know, the new Uber's new CEO is really trying to reshape the culture. Airbnb is having some successes, and it's got Airbnb in particular has a really long pipeline to grow. It's trip tours and uh, expands vacation rentals, moving to luxury, dining reservations, they're going to do flights. So there was some breathing room this year from those big giants, but 
they seem to be getting back on their feet a little bit more this year. Very exciting. How about we take a turn and look a little bit more internationally? Can you give us a breakdown by geography and what you're seeing there? Yeah, sure. So, well, look, the U.S., it's, it's interesting, actually. It's one of the things I enjoyed looking at because the U.S. remains the single largest market for travel venture capital, but as is really fitting for something like the travel industry, 70% of deals were international. So that's a lot more global than the rest of the venture capital world, which is typically called a 50-50 split between domestic and abroad. And so outside the U.S., what are the next two largest markets? They're actually India and China. And what I've, I think that's really all about following you know, the demographics. And if you ever go read some of these corporate blogs or whatever, you'll hear some of these influential tech giants, the Amazons, the Googles of the world, and they'll talk about trying to target what they call the quote, the, the next billion. So that's the next billion people who are going to be connected to the web, who are going to reach middle-class affluence, and they want to get ahead of those trends. And certainly India and China qualify for having a really large demographic tailwind. I would I would also throw Indonesia in that demographic tailwind. I mentioned Traveloka, that Indonesian company earlier. So I think that's an important aspect. Uh, today, only about 9% of the Chinese population travels outside the country. And, and in India, it's just about 2%. So for comparison's sake, 25% of people in the U.S. have a passport and travel abroad, and it can be as high as 60% in some other very high-income countries. So you know, we've actually been doing a lot of work on, on the chi Chinese traveler. Our latest report is actually on WeChat, its implications for travel. I highly recommend you check it out. It's a good report. That's obviously not a startup per se, but it's really a good example of tech redefining how the emerging world travels. And so, you know, I mentioned some of these earlier, but you had 2GEO, that's China's largest vacation rental platform. They raised money last year. India, uh, OYO, which operates a network of budget hotels with an app-based book and a customer service platform. They raised $250 million led by Sequoia and SoftBank. These are big deals. Uh, you also have a lot of activity in Latin America. You had uh, Despargar. Uh, it's an Argentina-based online travel agency. They, they actually went public in September. Uh, could be an acquisition target. They have very close relationship with Expedia. So you're seeing in this emerging market countries a lot of stuff. But to my mind, the trend in EM countries, it's, it's a very classic venture capital model. You place a lot of bets on a market that's still relatively small, but fast growing and has the potential to be huge. I mean, that's, that's classic. And so a lot of the activity in EMs feels like you're sort of taking these existing ideas and importing them to new markets. So when we talk about these businesses, we use a lot of, you know, X of Y. So the Uber of China, the Airbnb of China, Expedia of Latin America, you know, you're hearing a lot of these kind of ofs kind of conversations. And in the developed markets, the other big markets, obviously the US, but you also have France, UK, Germany, there's a lot more established players there. So the focus there is a lot more on these what I would call horizontal technologies that apply across all different verticals, uh, new tech, new business models, new, new verticals. That's what you're seeing in the developed markets. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. So why don't we talk then about some of those new technologies from from a tech perspective? What are people most excited about? You know, what are some of the, the hot sort of focuses in tech in the space? Sure. This is definitely one of my favorite uh, topics to talk about. It's, it's very trendy these days. But, you know, I would go back to start our conversation. I'd go back to that state of startup survey I mentioned earlier. And that's the one where we polled entrepreneurs. And one of the questions we asked was you said, hey, what technology is going to have the greatest impact on the travel industry? And I think it's, it's insightful to see their response because number one by far was artificial intelligence. And close behind that, by the way, was machine learning, predictive analytics. And those are technologies all tied into the same, you know, 
core trends. Um, you know, a little layer down, you also had big contenders, virtual or augmented reality is a big disruptor, and blockchain. So I'll just touch each on those briefly. I think we can start with artificial intelligence. And entrepreneurs and investors, they agree here, right? You're seeing a lot of trends. And in the U.S., artificial intelligence startups collectively raised over $5 billion this year. That's across all different lines of businesses. That's everything. That's a record amount. Uh, if you look in travel specifically, you've seen a lot of predictive analytics. Uh, a company called Flyer comes to mind. They're an AI startup that does you know, predictive analytics. They look at airfares and they use artificial intelligence to try and predict if fares are going to drop. And they let companies and, and you know, consumers almost buy a form of insurance against that, that you know, fear of missing out. You're going to buy a ticket and the price is going to drop. They sell insurance against that using AI. They raised an $8 million Series A last year, led by uh, Teal Capital, very serious uh, venture capital firm backed by JetBlue. So, you know, real uh, big changes there. I would say next up, you've got something like virtual reality. Uh, this one definitely faces an uphill adoption curve. So, you know, we were just at, Skip was just at, we had our reporters at the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. A lot of people, a lot of pictures of people wearing those VR headsets, looking really cool. <laughs> uh, and I can imagine there's a lot of potential because travel is such an immersive, you know, experience. And so is virtual reality if done right. But, uh, you know, a lot of the VCs we spoke to say no one's really figured out how to integrate it yet. So, you know, watch that space. Maybe someone cracks the code, but we're not there yet. And the same goes for blockchain. It's very buzzy. And, you know, we, but what happened is we went out, we went out, we asked a bunch of executives, hey, when are you guys going to implement blockchain? It's going to be in the next few years, medium term, long term, never. And, you know, we asked that question about not just blockchain, but a def bunch of different technologies. And blockchain was the least likely to be implemented in the next two years out of everything we asked executives about. And I also think what's interesting is that half of the survey respondents we spoke to were not sure when they would implement blockchain. And bear in mind that never was a response. So they weren't saying we're never going to do this. They just said, I don't know when it's going to happen. So it's not that people are saying it's a dud. They're, they're, they're just genuinely unsure about the market fit and the technical capabilities. Um, and, you know, we, we've asked people, blockchain, hype, is it huge? Is it huge potential? Is it hyped? And everyone says it's 50-50. You know, you ask, flip a coin. Are they going to say this is a hype or it's a massive potential? So a lot of controversy. But when we spoke to the VCs, we spoke to uh, Bonnie Simi at JetBlue. She's incredible VC. She's very excited about blockchain. Very excited about smart contracts. You have a lot of, you know, hedge funds investing in Bitcoin. Not the same thing, but, you know, a lot of hype going on there. And we actually wrote a research report on this topic as well. Uh, and there's another one of our megatrends talking about blockchain. So we do tend to come down the side of this is a technology that could have a real impact. But my, my advice and my caution for, for those working with it is that don't believe the hype too much. It can be too easy to buy into the hype. There's clearly a very real knowledge and commercialization gap. Uh, and I think that in general is a huge point for startup founders. They need to focus on bridging that knowledge gap. They need to ensure there's real value in their products and their services. And then they need to get C-suite buy-in in larger corporations. So you can't just go around building the business on jargon and buzzwords. Uh, unfortunately, we see a lot of business plans and these initial coin offerings, and it's too much of too much of jargon and not enough of, of solid business plan building. Yeah, I think you're totally right. At the end of the day, does hype lead to better profitability or cost savings? We'll, we'll, we'll make all the difference. That's what it's going to be all about. Can you, can you take this tech, can you make it feasible, and can you make it profitable for a big company to integrate? Why don't you then highlight some tech that might be ready to go today or, or, or things that could work now? So I think uh, 
chatbots and virtual assistants, they're definitely ready for prime time in our view. Uh, there's still some work that needs to be done, but again, we, we asked executives, when are you going to integrate these things? And almost half of the people we spoke to said they're going to have chatbots and virtual assistants as a part of their digital strategies over the next two years. You've got major hotels, airlines, online travel agencies, MetaSearch. They're all already rolling out customer service chatbots. You've got some early stage companies. I would call out uh, Voya and 30 Seconds to Fly as two examples. They both raised money this year and they're developing artificial intelligence powered uh, booking assistance. So actually it ties back into that artificial intelligence conversation. These things are not as, as discreet as we like to say they are. They all kind of roll into each other. It's not mutually exclusive. Um, I think there's another one I was looking at, Gladly. That's an interesting case study too. They, they, do, um, they do a platform that consolidates you know, online posting histories, email, SMS, voice, social channels, and they all bring it together into a customer uh, service, customer support platform. And actually, it's interesting, JetBlue's corporate venture arm invested in them. Uh, and it was a direct response because the, the parent, JetBlue's in-house customer service team said, hey, we need better tech. And so uh, and they, they invest in them and they actually integrated the software into their day-to-day operations. So really interesting uh, interplay of investors, of corporates, of startups, all kind of coming together in that, that virtual assistant, that chatbot, that customer support space. Um, but just because it's ready for prime time and almost because it's ready for prime time, expect really tough competition here. You've got major tech giants, Salesforce.com, Google, Facebook. They're all looking at chatbots too. So uh, not going to be an easy market. Why don't we talk a bit more about specific verticals? One of the bigger stories this year was in destination. Why don't you give us your perspective there? Uh, I think in destination, uh, you know, tours, activities, restaurants, uh, it's been a really exciting space this year. And the reason why is, well, it's decentralized and it's a hyper-local market. So it's been tough to get all of their inventory online. But we really, especially this year, seem to be reaching the threshold where enough of the world and these local mom and pop tour operators are connected and willing to put their inventory online. And so, you know, maybe less than 20% of tour inventory is booked online today. So there's a, there's a lot of room for growth, but we're, we're reaching that critical mass. And, you know, you add in the fact that these commissions are very lucrative. Our research says, you know, a tours and activity commission can be in the 20-ish percent range. And so, what you've happened is a lot of businesses trying to become these aggregator platforms. They're mimicking what exactly what the online travel agencies did only with local activities. And you actually have the OTAs themselves trying to get in the game. And that, that's really led to an explosion of activity. Uh, TripAdvisor is the leader in this space. They acquired uh, Viador, another startup, for $200 million a couple of years ago. The advantage is kind of theirs to lose. They're in the lead right now. But competition is coming in really fast. Uh, this year, we saw the largest... Uh, venture capital around ever in that to- in destination vertical, and that was a booking platform. Get your guide. They raised seventy five million dollars, Series D, first tier firm, Battery Ventures, um, and so you know it's the lar- its largest competitor also raised money this year. That's a Kluke based in Hong Kong. They raised a sixty million dollars Series C, and that was led by Goldman. Uh, and so um, you know I. I just think you're seeing a lot of activity in the space. It's a really interesting place. Let's not forget, you've got uh, Airbnb worked through its first full year with the Trips app this year. They're trying to expand their their offering from 12 cities to 50. Google refreshed its in-destination trip app. And so big tech is jumping in. The unicorns are jumping in. The startups are raising a lot of money. Definitely an exciting space. Uh, looking forward to 2018. 
it's going to be all about, you know, scaling, plugging in the gaps in your regional inventory. Uh, you know, it's still a space that's fragmented enough where the regional players, they can have really differentiated inventory. And so, you know, Get Your Guide does a lot of Germany. Klug is a lot of in Asia. We were looking at with locals. It's a smaller player. They raised a Series A this this round, and they had really good quality in Malaysia compared to all the others. So there's still areas of comparative advantage, maybe some additional growth and consolidation in that space next year. Got it. Is there anything else that's, before we wrap up here, anything else that's interesting to you or, or other things to highlight? Well, I think we can scan through some of the other verticals uh, pretty quickly. I mean, one of our mega trends this year was talking about how back-end tech is going to get a design renaissance, and, and we're seeing that. I mean, we have data that says that users complain about enterprise applications twice as often as consumer ones. And so within that vertical, a lot of, a lot of companies going after that B2B market. And when we talk to startups, like a lot of them like to be you know, business to business. They find it easy to raise money, to grow their business, less intense competition. Business travel, another exciting area. Unmanaged business travel in particular. Almost half of business people book their own travel. So it's another big area of focus where you're seeing a lot of new companies come in, spiffy interfaces, focus on business travel, on cost savings, on that unmanaged traveler. All right. Well, then maybe why don't you just sort of sum everything up for us so we have a better picture of the landscape? Yeah. Um, thanks for that, Rebecca. No, I, I would sum it up. I would make four points just if you have to take away anything from this. I would say, one, 2017, a record year for travel startup funding, and it very well could continue. I mean, you did our outlook on 2018 and looks really strong. And so strong outlook, strong market could continue. Number two, corporate venture capital. They're showing new interest in travel startups and partnerships. They're not without challenges. There can be a lot of issues, you know, old tech, cultural mismatches, but when they work, very beneficial for both sides. Number three, don't forget about international. International matters. 70% of startup capital goes outside of the U.S. A lot of that driven by growing EM demand in Asia and Latin America. And I would just say number four, uh, the new technologies, artificial intelligence, blockchain, other tech, they could put pressure on incumbents. They're very excited. But if you're a startup trying to lever those potentially cutting technologies, you really do face a knowledge gap, commercialization challenges. Focus on those real challenges, not on the buzzwords. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Seth, for giving us your insights. And listeners, if you would like to read more, go to research.skiff.com for the report. And as a reminder, always tune in to the website for the latest on travel trends with research reports, data sheets, and analyst sessions coming out all the time. Thanks again. You're welcome. 